Hello, and welcome to On the Matter of Systems, a tabletop RPG show where every month your two hosts will critically engage with some tabletop RPG theory and some tabletop RPG design. I am BW. My co-host is B. Hello, B. Hi. Hello. I'm here. (laughs) You are. And this is episode 4.2, and that point two lets you know that this is an RPG design episode. Hell yeah. Woo! Uh, so, uh, I am going to start by talking about, uh, why I picked what I picked and then what I picked, and then we'll kind of just get into it. I'm excited. So, so last time. Last time on, on the matter of systems. Last time on, (laughs) on the matter of systems, uh, your fearless co-hosts. Are we fearless? Uh... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so last time we read on being an RPG reader. Uh, this is a blog post uh, on Cannibal Halfling Games. Gaming? Gaming? Uh, gaming. Cannibal Halfling? Gaming. I, I I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so last time uh, we read on being an RPG reader, uh, which was a blog post on Cannibal Halfling Gaming uh, by Seamus Connolly. There's two E's, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it could be Keneally. Apologies, Seamus. Um, but yeah, I think we really enjoyed it. The As a reminder, the, it was a blog post sort of about different ways of engaging in the hobby of tabletop games, um, and specifically about people who primarily engage with the hobby via reading, uh, which is me. Couldn't be more relevant to our podcast, honestly. <laughs> it literally could not. So kind of inspired by that, but also going off just like some notes I've been making. I knew that for this month, I wanted to pick something for one, a little different than last month. Last month, we read, we read a whole big book. So I wanted to pick something a little smaller. I also had the idea of trying to find something that was maybe sort of like playtesting or in beta or something that was maybe a little rougher. I have also wanted to find something Uh, that sort of deals with humor, uh, because that's not really something we've engaged with a ton in terms of the games we've talked about so far. Right. Um, The um, the Tyler Crumrine games are goofy, but not like explicitly comedic, right? Yeah, exactly. And and in and in fact, those like the Tyler Crumrine games were the ones that I was like, oh, what, uh, maybe I should look for something that's like explicitly trying to kind of be a comedy game mm-hmm. or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, and I kind of wanted to pick something that neither of us really had much experience with. So uh, what did I pick? I picked a game called Waiting for Gygax. Nice. um, Which uh, I'm very excited about. Uh, So Waiting for Gygax is uh, by a gentleman named Conrad Oust. Uh, not a ton of public info, um, but I'm going to read basically the the intro to the game because it's a I think it's a good summary of the pitch. So, Waiting for Gygax is a tabletop role-playing game in which you play daring adventurers doing absolutely nothing. You are plunderers, fighters, explorers, looters, and heroes who explore parts of a fantastical world where only the brave or foolhardy would venture. But not right now. For the purposes of this story, you really do fuck all. Uh, To play, you'll need at least three people. You'll trade off who acts as the game master over the course of play talks about dice uh the game was inspired by the world's okayest role-playing game dungeons <laughs> mm-hmm. and dragons the hit tv show seinfeld and the molasses paste dnt soap opera critical role <laughs> it is dedicated to every adventuring party that originally met in a tavern it's a good pitch um it is it's a good pitch yeah. uh notably absent from that pitch waiting for godot <laughs> mm-hmm. um Never heard of it. Unfamiliar. Um, well, no, can't even can't even imagine that it's related. Uh-huh. I don't, no, no idea. Um, 
but yeah, so that's the pitch. Uh, so uh, Conrad doesn't have a huge sort of like internet presence from what I can tell. He has one other game out in playtest form on itch. Uh, it's a magical girl RPG called Hard Captor Sak- Sakura. Um, and that's kind of about it. There's a Twitter account that he hasn't really used all that often. Uh, it's um, Hardcaptor Sakuga. Sakuga. I yes. I mistyped yeah. that. I apologize. So, not sorry to to uh, uh, to jump in like that, but I I did I did read some of it, and I was like, I knew I know it was it, there was two letters different from Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> Not just one. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so waiting for Gygax. That is what we're going to talk about today. So, yeah. hey, B. Hi. What'd you think of waiting for Gygax? Um, I, I think it's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I, great. I, I think we're done. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's yeah. So it's like a what is it nine pages something like that? Yeah, um, something like that. Let's see. I printed it out so. Yep, nine, page nine yeah, is the last page. Yeah. Um, nine pages, with the first two being the cover art and a table of contents. Yes, exactly. Um, it's it's a. I think I think I live reacted with the thing I still think is in in the last episode. The thing I still think is my favorite bit, which is the the random uh, d twenty table where nothing happens uh no matter what mm-hmm. you roll but i'm i'm excited to talk more about like what wh- how how specifically it gets into it and maybe to pepper in some things because um when i read this i was like this is very funny and good and um and we have access to each other's notes so i looked at bw's notes and i was like bw has covered this so i guess i'm going to go off on some tangents and so i um uh, i can say confidently for instance that um, there is one other game called Waiting for Gygax that I skimmed, and I think this is, uh, to me, more interesting than that. Um, and there is one stage production of Waiting for Gygax that is also called Waiting for Gygax that I thought was, I did, I saw two minutes of, because that's all that exists on the internet as far as I can tell. So, I, I can say, I think this is probably the best Waiting for Gygax there is. Incredible. (laughs) This is the sort of deep research people come to Otmos for. Uh So thank you. Um, I do think so. I one, I think it's kind of hilarious that there is just another game called this. It's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's great that there is a stage play at a fringe festival called Waiting for Literally the Minnesota Film Festival, I think, or yeah. Wow, incredible. Uh Fr- do you, are you familiar with the fringe festivals like as a concept? I I'm like vaguely familiar, but I I, I don't really know. I've never like been to one. I th- I assume it's just like a mixed media festival that like explicitly it, doesn't it, uh ask people for credentials or something. Yeah, something along those lines. I, like I know it mostly because of a a podcast that I used to listen to a lot of that had Two comedians as the host. It's called "Stop Podcasting Yourself." And one of the one of the hosts, Graham Clark, he would he was pretty often would go to fringe festivals and would put on basically like one man shows mm-hmm. that were kind of just like some of them were like basically comedy sets. Some of them were a little more scripted. Some of them were like really interactive, uh, like experimental theater. But the basic idea is, I think fringe festival is intended to be experimental theater. Okay, in sort of the broadest sense so it's like like, is it like an open mic for experimental theater uh but not open mic because you do have to submit and be sort of approved but yes essentially yeah so like i think one of graham's one of the last ones i knew of was he uh he did not perform in the venue 
he basically had somebody set up an iPad and he was like FaceTiming the audience mm-hmm. from a different location, sure. which uh, listen, I'm, I'm on board as a concept. That's, that's kind of funny. Um, anyway, that's an aside, but I was just curious. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, I, I think it's very, I think it's very cool that there's a, there was a fringe festival that had a waiting for Gygax play. Yeah. I will also say just because hopefully this is the last time this comes up. I did in fact read waiting for Godot for the first time and watched a, uh, an adaptation of it um if that comes up in the future it, it might but probably not but you know i just kind of i will say like that's that's honestly one of the things that i enjoyed about this game was it kind of just like pushed me to finally get to some beckett that i hadn't read before because it was such a compelling little concept and i was like i wonder if this is like how related this is to this you know canonical play that i've never seen um and it turns out like not super and that's fine <laughs> It, it, I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't watch the thing. It's been it's been a long it's been a long time since I've read Waiting for a Godot. Um it was college for sure. Uh but I, I also idly had the thought, like, I wonder it's been too long for me to pick up on anything, but I wonder how related it is. And I I kind of love that the answer is basically not at all. Deeply upsetting <laughs> that um sorry to okay, we're finishing the aside with this at least from my end. Deeply upsetting that I just found out that that's how it is on this bitch of an earth is a <laughs> is a quote from Godot that is not sourced <laughs> anywhere else uh and it does not appear in this game. Just frankly the only like truly missed um <laughs> opportunity that I can see here. Take notes, Conrad. <laughs> Anyway, should we uh, should we dive in? Yeah, so so uh, it because it's so short. I think we're basically kind of just going to talk through talk through the game. So the the very first thing you do in the game is you, you create your player characters. Um, so uh, I, I glossed over it, but the the idea is you need at least three people. Uh, two players and one game master who plays the game master like who takes on that role can change throughout play but yeah so for the player characters uh, all players begin by creating their characters it's only two steps you pick attributes and then you pick a race mm-hmm. um, so uh, I'm just gonna say at the beginning I really like this game and I think it's very funny and I think it actually works really well. Overall, I, like I so I did not read through the full game before I I said we were going to do it. I I like skimmed it enough that I was like, okay, there's something here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Reading through the game at almost every turn, I was like, uh, this could go weird. <laughs> this could go bad. Uh-huh. And like it never really does. It like kind of always sticks the landing at least a little and sometimes sticks the landing very, very well. Yes. I agree with that completely. <laughs> and and as an example of this, like uh, th- I think the reason it or like the way it does this is that, you know, there's the saying, you know, you got to commit to the bit. I'm a big fan of this is like a thing I like in humor, right? Is committing to a bit and maybe even committing to it a little too hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. But so for your player characters, there are actual instructions for for how to set up your character. So you each character has six attributes. Each attribute starts at one. You can have a maximum value of five. When you create your character, you can spend eight points among these attributes. (laughs) Just I just love it because as will become very clear, this game is is playable, sort of. <laughs> um, 
So I just love that, like, there, you know, there's literal points that you're putting into things. There are descriptions for each of the attributes. Uh, so I'll, I'll just read them. You have strength, you have agility, you have hardiness, you have wits. Those are sort of the normal-ish ones, yeah, strength, right? Strength, dex, charisma, or sorry, uh, constitution. Yep. Uh, well... And, and wits is sort of like intelligence, kind Maybe, of right. Yeah, but is um, <laughs> and that's the thing because the other t- the other two attributes are different wits mm-hmm. <laughs> and hotness. And uh, so I- I'm going to read the I'm going to read different wits. Different wits is a measure of your character's intelligence and capacity for rational thought. Uh, I'm going to stop quoting to say that is the exact same start to the attribute wits. With the the only difference uh, being the word different at the front of it, yes. Correct. Uh, so different wits is a measure of your character's intelligence and capacity for rational thought, but it's different from wits somehow. Mm-hmm. Wits is about math and different wits is about, I don't know, things your dad taught you about fishing. Mm-hmm. You'll never roll different wits, but you are encouraged to argue about whether a hypothetical action would be represented by wits or different wits yes this was the moment that i was sold on this game like when i was actually reading yeah. through it rather than just skimming and seeing that, that that table like this reading through it i was like okay okay this is all interesting okay this is like okay there's there's some potential pitfalls here this is, a, this is kind of funny but like you know i don't know like seeing the word like looters in a game about like dodgers of dragon stuff i'm like i can't mm, that could be you know that could go one way or another um mm-hmm. And then seeing this, which is, yeah, like you said, it's pretty clear from this as a person who has, you know, some working knowledge of Dungeons & Dragons that wits is intelligence and different wits is wisdom based on that, uh, I don't know, things your dad taught you about fishing (laughs) line. Yep. (laughs) But, like, that's when the, like, that's when the satire shaped itself to me as not just, like, I don't know, D&D's not great to, like, oh, you have something to say about D&D, and I don't know if it's, like, that important, but I do know it's 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 pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, and I think that's, like, a really good summary for me, actually, of this game, right? Which is, like, I, it's not like this is, like, biting critical satire that's, like, doing something. It's just very funny. Yeah. At almost every point. And, like, not everything necessarily hits for me. Like, uh, hotness didn't do a ton for me. So hotness is the sixth attribute. Hotness is a quantifiable measure of how hot you are, is the, is the first sentence. Uh, it's just a great description. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, it's funny. Like, I, I get it. It's funny. And all of them, I will say, so all of the attributes have their, like, little paragraph that explains them. And basically every single one of them ends with... But also don't worry about this because you're never going to roll against this attribute, yeah. <laughs> um, which will become, I mean, which is the theme of the game entirely. I will, I will, okay, I want to read the next two sentences of hotness here because I think they're sure. important. Um, so it's a quantifiable measure of how hot you are. Then higher hotness means you're objectively sexier than other people. This doesn't particularly matter, especially given your character's profession, but we included it anyway. <laughs> um and there's like that there's that like weird little shift in voice there yeah that that, that this game like consistently does like in the different wits thing like the i don't know aside about the the things your dad taught you about fishing the way that like there's like a, a an implicit narrative voice here that is like sort of smiling at this in the background i think does a lot for it um yes like 100 uh 
but also and it only does a lot for it because the concepts generally are are pretty strong at just being like yeah why the fuck is charisma a thing in a game where you're just like literally wandering into a dungeon to kill some stuff until you die (laughs) um yeah which honestly uh that's a great question and a great segue to the second part of Uh building out your character which is you pick a race uh so uh to quote the book next you must pick a race choose one of the following the must there the must is important your your options are uh human uh and the description of a human is everyone at the table will scoff at you for being boring Uh Uh, human but tall and slender with pointed ears. <laughs> and the description of that is, somehow this is not boring. Mm-hmm. Angry, short, Scottish human who likes dirt. Also not boring. Mm-hmm. Human but red and with horns. Describe the horns using a minimum of minimum 50 words. Minimum of 50 words. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. And uh, the last two are a lizard person. Important in all caps. Female lizard people have breasts. You are encouraged to argue about this if you need to grind the session to a halt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the last final uh, option is your fursona. Uh, That might be the first joke that doesn't super. The fursona joke doesn't hit for me personally, but like. Correct. And I've thought about the fursona one, uh, like, because it was probably the same. It was sort of the first thing where I was like, oh, huh. Uh, and I I feel like there's something there that I'm not get- getting, if that makes sense. Like, it because the rest of the game feels so purposeful in its humor. Mm. Um, I, I feel like maybe there's like a reference here. I, I don't know. There's something I'm not getting. That, that um, to me feels more like a table history than a reference. <laughs> Um, if that makes sense oh sure Um, yeah no totally yeah yeah but yeah so uh, so you pick a race i've read through the races uh the important thing to note here is that there are no attributes related to your race it really just has nothing to do with rolling dice or playing the game or anything but you have to do it next you must pick a race very funny Mm -hmm. um yeah so uh yeah with those two things you have your character You've got your attributes, and you have your race. Do you want to talk about the last paragraph here? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, the the last paragraph of the race section, I'm just going to read it because it's not too long. This fantasy world has fantasy races and implied fantasy racism, but depicting or acknowledging this is not recommended. You'll either do a disservice to real-world social issues, or you'll create a compelling and thought-provoking narrative. Both of those things are outside the scope of this game. What do you think of this paragraph? Well, so, yeah, we haven't gotten to the part where we sort of talk about what you actually do in this game. Um, so it, we'll, we'll get there. And I think that's, that's important to keep in mind that um, the comp- create a compelling and thought-provoking narrative is explicitly, uh, like, uh, antithetical to the point of this game, if you are uh, theoretically going to actually play it. I, I, think, I think the... Hmm. I think I take the point here um, that, like, it is. I am aggressively nodding my head in agreement <laughs> with what I think you're about to say. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, maybe, actually, this is maybe a weird pivot, but, like, this might be, like, just, like, kind of decent DM advice <laughs> instead of a joke. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what did you think I was going to say? Uh, well, uh, so 
I mean, I, 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 in my notes, I basically was like, I got to think about this paragraph more. And I thought about it more. And, and I think, I think this is maybe, uh, uh, so w- how you started, which is like, I, I take the point, like I get, I get sort of what this is trying to express to, to me, I think it's like, it, this one could be more, this one could be sharper, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I agree, like, uh, this fantasy world has fantasy races and implied fantasy race and racism, but depicting or acknowledging this is not recommended. And then that's sharp. the two reasons, yeah. exactly, that's sharp. And then the two reasons are are actually, like, real things, right? Like, if you don't handle race well in in this in in a game that you are playing you could absolutely do a disservice to real world social issues or you could take it seriously and you could create a really compelling and thought-provoking narrative yeah um but like yeah like this one is almost like it's like too too true to be funny in some ways (laughs) um but like i think i get what the thrust of the the like humor is trying to do if that makes sense yeah it feels like the the voice drops out a little bit here right like the correct just like i was describing but also uh, there's like it is true and also um significantly more complicated right yes this is part of the problem of the voice dropping out is like when when that sort of like that bit of of the eye uh, behind the eye of the I don't know in different wits behind drops out. Um, I immediately go like, well, um, you know, this game is ostensibly not meant to <laughs> produce a media project for others. Like this is part of the interesting things about role playing games, right? Is like the actors are the audience, and in in that case, like. There's not really an or there necessarily. I mean, there is there is a strong or like a, or in terms of do it a service to real with social issues or you'll com- create a compelling narrative. Um, there is a much stronger. You're probably gonna fuck this up and it might become interesting. <laughs> yeah, component to like the actual play of just like a table for themselves. Like people are gonna fuck up and hopefully that'll provoke conversations that go on outside of the game and that will hopefully get like you know looped back and and you know it's the process of of conversation which is to say the process of role playing um the the way that this is framed as like you're gonna fuck it up or you're gonna do great is like that's not how play works (laughs) um yeah but then also this is the reference to critical role here right like Correct. Almost certainly, part of this is like part of this is inspired by consuming media based on actual on on play at the table, wherein those uh, stakes are are higher. Frankly, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I I I think I generally agree with everything you just said. This is reminding me of a thing that I didn't say explicitly at the beginning, which I would like to say, which is uh, it is worth noting this was released this was released a month ago, and I think uh, um, officially this is. <laughs> What? It was released a month ago as of the time of this recording. Um Oh, correct. Yes, it was it was released a month ago as of the time of this recording. Which is the same time of 2022. So <laughs> what does what is time? Uh so yeah, so this was released in September of 2022, so uh, about 
uh, about a month ago. And uh, I think officially this is like version 0.1. So this is, you know, beta playtest version, which I think is just worth keeping keeping in mind and for everybody to know, right? Very different than some of the other stuff we've read, which have been sort of more officially published in some capacity. Yeah, and then um, the acknowledgments at the end, the playtesters list is, is, is none. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah. I think that's part of the joke. Um, the thing I 100%. thought you were going to bring up is that you listened to some Critical Role. Uh, <laughs> I did that uh-huh. yep and uh i enjoy a lot of actual play content true, true. in the world this, we have talked about this for many hours outside of this podcast it's true i did not enjoy my time with critical role would you call it a molasses paste soap opera does that does that, does that seem accurate i have not listened to critical role so i will say the 20 minutes that I attempted to watch did feel as though it, it was proceeding at a pace that I would maybe refer to as glacial. Um, okay, so you think molasses paste is, like, generous. Yeah, it was very slow to me. Um, I, I will say, I I have, like, a, so I have a ton of respect for, um, like, the, the people who do Dimension 20, for instance. Um, I'm, I'm, I have not watched a bunch of those things but like in general i'm i don't do super well with like actual play stuff that is premised on visual storytelling as opposed to sort of you know auditory or like narrative storytelling and um and so part of it was just that like i just i just found it awkward to be staring at all of these people Mm -hmm. um but it was it it did strike it did strike me as very slow (laughs) um but no, I I, uh, I wanted to I, I specifically wanted to bring the playtest thing because I think I, I agree with everything you said right about the sort of last paragraph in the race section. Um, it also felt like it, it would be a good time to to bring up that like you know we're picking this yes. apart in the same way we pick apart everything right, which is we're we are we are trying to do some criticism here, and so we want to take these objects seriously. But it's worth it's worth keeping in mind uh, for everyone and making sure the listeners are aware this is a playtest. Um, that's all. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, like, given all of that, I think ending that paragraph with both of these things are outside of the scope of this game is like, is not just yeah. a a good goof. Like, it's like, a, it's a solid goof. It's like a, you know, it's the structure of the joke, right, is we're going to address something serious. But that's not for this, this issue, this yeah. thing right here. Um, and also, like, does a, like, good job of being like, here's... Here's what this game is, you. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, I, uh, yeah. So uh, going back to the the thing you said, right? Like, I I absolutely understand what this paragraph was trying to do, and I think like it could have just been a little tighter, essentially, if that makes sense, right? Listen, we got uh, a nine page game here, folks. We're gonna do a little close yeah, reading. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're doing, uh, we're doing some close reading. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, this, uh, if. If some for some reason Conrad asked you hear this, this is not a, a referendum on you as a person. Um, this is just oh uh, no, th- this entire podcast is a referendum on you a person. Oh, it's just yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the vast majority of it is going to be very positive because you're very funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we have our characters, we have our attributes in our race. Uh, it's time to play the game. Are you excited? Kind of. I, I okay. Actually, like real talk, I kind of there's a 
you know, this is not a segment, but this could be a segment. Like, there is definitely a part of this where I was reading it and was like, if I got together <laughs> with, uh, you know, person, 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 we could make some really really whack shit with this in a really yeah. fun way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I am going to attempt to <laughs> quickly summarize how you play the game. Um, so you pick one person to be the GM. The other people will then play their player characters. Uh, you're supposed to come up with some sort of stupid reason why the player character that was made by the person who will be the GM, why that character isn't in the scene because that person is being the GM and you always start in a tavern. So you start in a tavern and basically you start talking. So everybody starts role playing, right? Get into character. You start talking about, you know, like what's going on, make small talk, blah, blah, blah. And the GM is free to sort of like take part, right? NPCs, etc. Uh, But the, <laughs> the GM has to then put on their GM hat Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as any player <laughs> attempts to do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, the, the next sections are action resolution uh, and advancement, uh, which is very funny to me. But so action resolution. Uh, so anytime, you know, one of the player characters tries to do something within the narrative, right? So anything that would re that might require a role right or where like there's a question of if you can do it so i don't know this could be fighting a goblin this could be winning a uh an arm wrestling match poker. against the yeah or a hand of poker right um anytime somebody tries to take an action the GM and all other players. Yes, and very important. Very, <laughs> very important. important. <laughs> need to then stop that player character uh, or stop that player and explain why actually there's really no need to do that. Uh, and Conrad very helpfully provides some suggestions of why they don't <laughs> need to do that. I won't read all of them, but like it's actually not that big of a deal. Or uh, somebody else is actually taking care, care mm -hmm. of that already. Um, it was just all just a big understanding that you can explain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, anytime, uh, anytime somebody, anytime one of the players tries to do something, the GM needs to step up and go. Listen, uh, actually, you really don't need to worry about that because somebody in the next town over is already fighting those goblins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? And so everyone goes around the table. Uh, tries to explain to the player character that actually the thing that they want to do doesn't need to happen or shouldn't happen. Um, is this, if they fail, sorry, if everyone, wait, yeah, is go this ahead. the only yeah. is this the only time in this book where they like explicitly give play like like an example of play? I think so. I don't know that there is another example. Uh, now that you say that. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling through very quickly, but you're right. I think, I think this section is the only time where there is. That's very good. Um, that is very I, good. Yeah, I didn't think about that until just as you were talking, but like, yeah, there's, there's a paragraph that's just like, for example, Horvak the Barbarian is about to perform the daring task of swinging over a gaping chasm. Um, and that's like, <laughs> not to, not to like blow this up a little bit, but like. I think that's a, that's another pretty sharp joke that like I think I got implicitly but didn't think about explicitly until just now that like 
this is a very good example of how using like example play really like emphasizes a certain aspect of a game right like yeah for sure where yeah. example text exists is like even if you don't read it because a lot of example texts texts um end up being like kind of like off in a corner or you know just or at the end or like like the way it's formatted within the, the particular book is dependent on the particular book but like even if you don't read the example text at least when i'm reading a book i if i see that there is a thing that has example text i'm like oh this must be important like this is Correct. the thing that yeah. the yeah that the the writer of this game thinks is important to elucidate beyond just saying like when this roll this um it and it needs to be given an example and i love that and i'm glad yeah. that we are reading through this book as in this way because that would have like completely eluded me until just a second ago <laughs> yeah no that's great i absolutely yeah i that I, I feel like the way you phrase that uh, in terms of your reading of it is exactly my experience where like I would never have articulated it without having this conversation. But I did kind of get the like, oh, OK, ha. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also just worth saying <laughs> that the example that Conrad gives is also very deeply funny yes. to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the example is that uh, Horvac the barbarian is trying to swing over a chasm. He's like, I'm going to roll strength. Another player's like, well, I, actually, there's a bridge like 30 feet to your left. <laughs> you could just cross the bridge. And the GM's like, yeah, so you just cross the bridge 30 feet to your left. All of that. I could mm, I could talk about all of that, I feel like, for another 10 minutes. Um, I mean, feel free. <laughs> uh, I just mean, like, it's to, 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 to boil it down a little bit, right? Um, the way that that example text ends is the GM then informs Horvac that he crosses the bridge instead. So it, so it's the GM literally taking player agency away. Um, Correct. There, it is not. And because, right, and this is really important, he takes it away because it just makes more sense to cross the bridge. Horvac then <laughs> arrives safely back at the tavern. Um, it, it, part of what's interesting here, right, is like, Without this example text, I don't know that I would ever play the game in the way that this example text is exemplifying. Um, yeah. I re just reading through this without that, I would have just assumed this whole game takes place in a tavern, right? Um, and this is probably partially based on my, like, even pre having recently read it, understanding of, like, Waiting for Godot, which is all one set, right? That's, like, a thing I knew yeah. about that play. Um, there's a tree and there's a mound. Um, and that's it. So, like, my understanding of this game was, like, up until literally this point was, like, there is, uh, there is, this is a game about adventurers meeting in a tavern and talking endlessly about doing their adventures, but not actually doing them. Um, which is a simplification of Waiting for Godot, now that I've read it and seen it, but, like, mm -hmm. is not inaccurate <laughs> as a simplification. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, the example being, like is about to perform a daring task of swinging over a gaping chasm that's presumably not in the tavern because he arrives safely back at the tavern. Um, mm -hmm. That implies that this game involves not just, like, sitting around talking at the tavern until somebody says, like, we should go, and then, you know, fade to black. That, like, there is stuff that people do. You you are going out on adventurers as these plunderers and looters and and killers and whatever. Um, you're just not doing anything while you're doing that. <laughs> um. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think the 
I understood that they went out primarily, I think, because of the random encounter table, which we've we've brought up already, where the the random encounter table, uh, I think, as we've said, but it's uh, it's in the GM sort of like advice the section, game guide. Um, <laughs> the game master's guide. Uh, and it is a table uh, for rolling a d20. And it's a table of random encounters that the players might face when traveling. So if they're, you know, like going from town to town or whatever, you can roll on this table once for each day of travel time. And it is just a table that counts from one to 20. And for every single dice roll, the encounter that happens is nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is a very good visual. Yes. (laughs) Visual gag. No, that's that's a very important point. Yes. As a visual gag, it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right, uh, about the, the importance of that, that one paragraph, right. Of helping you understand. I I mean, this is, I think where I was really impressed is like, I finished reading this for the first time. It was like, wait, you could play this. Like this is playable. And I absolutely picked this sort of assuming it wouldn't actually be playable right like it would mostly just be a joke but like you could absolutely do this and it would probably be pretty fun with the right people yes 100 percent like i said i I explicitly called out three people in my brain um i think you may even know which three people i'm thinking of honestly i have i have have a pretty good idea we we should confirm after uh Uh, what, is, what are their initials? What are their first initials of each of them? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, uh, I was thinking it would it would be... So, I had four people in mind okay. that I, I could have chosen okay. from. Okay. So, K, S, A, and S again. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I hadn't thought of A. I was thinking of an R there. But, yeah, I... All, all oh, six of okay. those are correct, uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, listen to Island Demeter. What's up? <laughs> you should listen to Island Demeter. It's great. Uh, everybody involved is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, so to get back to play. So again, you're, somebody tries to do something. Everybody tries to convince them that they shouldn't do it. Yes. Uh, and then this is great. This bit is also fucking great. <laughs> It's so good. So uh, I'm just going to read this paragraph. If everyone at the table fails to think of a reason why that character doesn't need to take action, the player of that character rolls a D6. If the value rolled is less than or equal to their most relevant attribute, the outcome is a success. Otherwise, the outcome is a failure. Either way, your game is ruined. <laughs> you must cut back to the tavern and follow the rules for advancement below. And we can get to those in a second. Uh-huh. But again, like, y- just committing to the bit, right? <laughs> like, yes. I love that there's there are actual roles that you can do and that rolling dice is failure is just very good. Yes. It's very funny. Yes. Uh it's yeah. it's also just like a really good in like <laughs> it's a good punchline to the setup that we get in the in the attributes thing, right? Because like you mentioned, we didn't read explicitly. Like everything, every single attribute ends with like so for agility. This will never happen in the narrative as you won't ever be acting under pressure. <laughs> um, hotness. Uh, Determine whether your group is really heavily heavily into role playing or not. Or sorry, determine whether your group is really heavily into role playing, and if not, dump this stat. 
or don't. It's not like you'll be rolling for it either way. The game sets up on page three, which is the first page of text, that you will not be rolling these attributes. On page five, two pages later, it's like, there is a way to roll these attributes. If you do it, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you, you fucked up. You fucked up. And like, uh, uh, like so much, you fucked up so much that in the next section on advancement, <laughs> there's a sentence that is, if this occurs, the this being you rolled dice mm-hmm. and you succeeded and you fucked up. If this occurs, you should scold your GM and every player at the table for not playing the game correctly. <laughs> it's it's just very good. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Uh, it's just then find a narrative reason to go back to a tavern and try again, but do it properly this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, I guess we could just we could just talk quickly about the advancement because it's it's very related, right? So if you uh, if you roll a success or you roll a failure yes. right that's important yes once you roll dice your game is ruined you must cut back to the tavern and then advancement is whenever when a character performs a heroic deed completes a quest or otherwise performs an interesting action they level up and may add one to any of their attributes uh so that is the advancement mechanic uh and then what happens is uh the person who rolled the dice uh, they n- then need to become the GM, and the GM has to then play their player player character. Yes, it's just all it's just all very good and funny. Yes, um, but just yeah, <laughs> like you said, incredible commitment to the bit. Like good joke writing too. Like specifically, yeah, just like you know, there, there's there's stumbles, but like that's fine (laughs) yeah absolutely uh and and again like i just was i was really struck when i when i first like sat down and truly like read through this to be like this this is actually a game wait what yes (laughs) it's very it wouldn't work if it wasn't i don't think i I think yeah i think it would be a i think there could like some of the jokes might still be good but i would not have come away with like such a positive feeling because that is i think yeah absolutely what makes it work uh in a very real way is that it's not just jokes it is a game uh i mean it's a simple game but it's a game you can play it yeah the the pieces are all there it has a um, as as maybe you would say, uh, it has it has an opinion, kind of not just like yeah. about Dungeons and Dragons, but about how it should be played. Correct. Um, and it like it it reinforces that opinion with a lot of very specific choices that like are also good jokes. I think is maybe yeah. no, maybe that's maybe s- selling it a little too hard. <laughs> um, uh, I think it, it makes jokes that it organizes into a a system that has an opinion um i wouldn't i wouldn't say this is probably a system first i think this is a joke first and i think that's to it's it's credit in in many ways yeah but 100 yeah yeah i I think the yeah like we said like i think the I, i would agree i think it's a i think it is a joke first right it is it is satire and humor first uh the satire and humor work so well because it is a game yes truly yeah um yeah which isn't to say you can't do that without making it a proper game. Like, right, we all love Sword Dream here, right? Um, yes. Like, I, I love a fucking lyric game. We talked about this in the last episode, in the, in the, in the On Being an RPG Reader episode, right? Like, uh, the, the Writhe game. Uh, like, there are fucking cool-ass games that are literally just meant to be read. <laughs> and, yeah. like, 
playing them is a is a side benefit. Uh, I think I talked about that with like the Erasure game on the on the Island Demeter um, thing. Like, but this like the way that this both manages to develop itself as a as a as an ongoing joke that like has callbacks to earlier shit and still like elucidates how how to write an RPG and also like you could see yourself playing like I could see myself reading this with people like just out loud together and then just jumping into a game and having a great two hours yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah 100% <laughs> fucking impressive honestly <laughs> yeah um cool so the the next part is i don't i don't know if there's like a ton to talk about the the next section is is the structure of play i do think it's actually uh i really liked that that this was included um like in terms of <laughs> how, how do you how do you explain a game right uh-huh. um it's basically right it's like a it's a circle and there's four there's four sort of phases of play there's tavern talk right so everybody sits around in a tavern all the players are talking there's npcs etc um and then uh at some point players are going to start trying to take an action and uh quote act with agency in the world or acting with agency in the world uh and that gives you into phase two which is the narrative begins to uh sort of begins to form and then uh (laughs) essentially right like once there's a risky or exciting action that sort of becomes apparent, uh, you move on to the third phase, which is narrative fizzles out. So this is everybody is trying to diffuse narrative tension, <laughs> quote, unceremoniously answer any possible questions and resolve every potential plot point. Yes. <laughs> um, and so the, the, the idea of the fizzling out, right, is what we've talked about. Basically, you're just trying. You're just trying to get everything back to normal, right? There's nothing. There's no reason to do anything risky or exciting. Yeah, let's like, just go back to the tavern. There's no the the people did the things for a reasonable reason, and like that's you know it's hard or whatever. But like we don't need to we don't need to like do anything about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so then uh, narrative either fizzles out because you all successfully play the game and you decide that there's nothing actually to do or somebody uh, fails and yes. actually has to roll dice. Yeah. Uh, and either way, that leads you to the fourth phase, which is <laughs> everyone goes home, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a very good title for a phase of a role playing game. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, uh, th- th- so everybody goes back, right? And uh, everything is sort of just back to normal. And then you can start from the beginning. Yeah. Think of how a sitcom or cartoon always returns to the status quo at the end of the episode. Like, I feel like that's another uh, particularly illustrative sentence yeah. in there. Um, because um, by the point in time at which I was reading this game for the first time, I had kind of forgotten that, um, you know... Uh, one of the main influences of this game is Seinfeld. Yeah. Mostly just because I don't like thinking about Seinfeld. I've never watched Seinfeld. I, I think it seems bad. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? You have never seen Seinfeld? I have seen... Uh, I have had... There has been times when Seinfeld was, like, on in the background, I think. Yeah. But I've never, okay. like, sat down and intentionally watched an episode of Seinfeld. No. Um, I am I am a known Seinfeld hater. Um okay. I don't, I don't enjoy it. And I probably would have enjoyed it maybe at some point in my life. But when I was a freshman in college, mm-hmm. my roommate 
was obsessed with Seinfeld. Okay. And had the entire season or series of Seinfeld uh-huh. on VHS tapes that he'd made himself. Um, okay. Was it completed at that point? Uh, I I don't think so. It was whatever yeah. what, it was what up existed. to. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he recorded it onto the VHS tapes at the highest quality. So it was like four episodes per tape. Uh-huh. So there were a lot of VHS tapes. That's a fucking and, wall. Like what? <laughs> yeah. When he first moved in, he was like, uh, you you know, if you want to watch some Seinfeld, you're welcome to. I, I very quickly learned that that was not true. Uh, because <laughs> if I watched them, it was like I was taking them out from Blockbuster. I had to rewind them. Uh-huh. But... If I took the tape out and I put it in and it was like in the middle of an episode, uh-huh. I then had to rewind it back to where it was uh-huh. when I started watching uh-huh. it. So it's like you were that's borrowing my... your parents' porn porn tapes. Exa- exactly. <laughs> um Yeah. So that was my freshman uh roommate in the dorms. Okay. Um But yeah, I, I agree. I think the uh I really like the the specific calling up of sort of sitcoms or cartoons. Uh, Cause I had the similar thing of like, I had kind of just forgotten about the Seinfeld thing. And then immediately it was like, Oh yeah. Okay. This really is like resetting the stage at the end of a play. Right. Yeah. So it's re- It's just ready for the next, the next show or it's just ready for the next episode. Or I mean, again, there's not a lot of uh, Godot in here, but like, you know, the way act there at Godot, what is the sub, thing in english is like a tragic comedy in two acts yeah um yeah. so act one ends on the end of the first day the next day picks up the second day and they're back in the same place like that's that's a godot thing as well um yeah. I, I i will just say okay here's my very short one um i have i have a, a similarly non uh textual reason for deeply disliking the simpsons Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, always, always hated that show because I was introduced to it by a, a stepfather of mine who insisted we watch it like during when I was a child during like, you know, uh, dinners, like we would all get oh. together as a family and and he would be like, no, we should like the Simpsons is on. Let's watch the Simpsons. It has a great moral at the end of every episode. And that's why it's like a good family show to watch. And so for wow. literal years, my entire knowledge of The Simpsons was like, this uh, stepfather that I have, who I do not like for very good reasons, uh, is a big fan of this show. He also worked at a power plant uh, and was a drunk. Oh, uh, so cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, my, I have a very strong aversion to The Simpsons that I have, I have I've worked myself out of in certain ways. I can now, you know, be at a party where two people quote The Simpsons to each other and not want to die. <laughs> um, that's, Listen, that's progress. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, that, that was the other thing that because um, there's no cartoon mentioned explicitly in this game as like the return to the status quo. But I feel like that is the hegemonic one. So that one came to my mind. Um, yeah. Interesting. I also dislike The Simpsons. Hey, um, we are both weird nerds who have incredibly specific tastes about things. <laughs> I So I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons mm. growing up because it was too, I was, I was raised very religious. Yes. Um, it was, it was too like 
too secular Re- rebellious <laughs> ah, and like okay. bratty ah uh, i see the bad uh, or eat my shorts the, the exactly yeah, I see. I correct see. Yeah. um and so it became like sort of like totemic for me it was like this <laughs> thing that i couldn't watch but all <laughs> everyone else could uh-huh. even at church even like all my church friends could uh-huh. watch it uh and then when my um i have an older sister my sister got married um, she's married to a lovely man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother-in-law, he grew up watching The Simpsons. He was a really big fan of it. And I I was like really, really close friends with one of one of his brothers or his younger brother. Um, and so when this happened, my parents kind of had to give in. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was probably in like high school. Okay. And so okay. I started I started watching The Simpsons and then was just like, this is the thing I've been excited to watch. <laughs> what, is, what is happening? What? Um so yeah um, anyway we're both weird nerds who hate things welcome uh, to on the matter of systems I, yeah yeah mm-hmm. we also love things quite a lot yeah but, uh, that's true um and, and I, I don't think i would describe either of us as particular haters except for in certain circumstances but um just we're have, context we're contextual haters we're uh we're the we're the best Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so about the game master's guide. <laughs> so the next part of the the game is the game master's guide, uh, which again, just really appreciate that this section exists. Mm-hmm. It's very very good. Um, I guess actually to to before you go into this, I think this uh, this section of the book specifically, like these two pages, maybe mm-hmm. these three four pages at this point, like this back half, I guess, starting yeah. with structure of play. It goes from feeling like, like yeah, I think the first half, everything through sort of playing the game, feels like a, a, a sort of direct goof on Dungeons and Dragons, sort of specifically, uh, or with specific things, and like does it just a good job of like, sort of goofing on an understanding of, of role-playing games as a reader of them and a potential player. I think the rest of this is like a really good... Uh, set of jokes about what role-playing game books look like more than anything, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, for like sure. The, the, the circle you meant is literally a circle on the page, or you mentioned that it's literally a circle on the page, right? The tavern talk to narrative begins to form, to narrative fizzles out, to everyone goes home. They have, like, a little infographic there. Yeah. Along mm-hmm. with some, like, public domain art that is, like, really well chosen, by the way. Like, fucking shout-outs to choosing good public domain art. Like, that's... You did it. Um Yeah. And then, like, yeah, if you were if you were flipping through a book, you would expect that section to be whatever thirty pages long, and then the next thing to be GM advice, uh, <laughs> just yeah. like really solid like understanding of the form to make Correct. a joke yeah. on top of the other good joke stuff. Anyway, thank you. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so so the the game master's guide uh, is is has some really good advice if you want to run waiting for Gygax. And the advice basically <laughs> is, uh, I'm just gonna read. A, I'm just gonna read most of this because it's very <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, so while some games encourage role play via improv, waiting for Gygax works differently. The world should not respond to player input. Or if it does, it should do it in the least interesting way possible. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Some good rules of thumb are whenever another game would encourage you to build on the ideas of other players using the foundational improv rule of yes and, you should simply use the rule of no instead. Correct. 
And the fact that it's not no and, it's just the word no in quotes and bolded is beautiful See, to me. Because you could also think of no but, right? Like that exactly. would be the easy yep. inversion of it, but it's just no. 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 <laughs> Um, and so there's three more pieces of advice. All actions should serve to unambiguously answer questions and remove narrative yes. tension. Railroad your players into sitting at a tavern and or talking to extremely dull NPCs. And I really love the last one. Never ask the players what they do. Doing so would imply this game is about doing things. Fuck yeah. I laughed out loud yeah. <laughs> the first time. Mm-hmm. It's just like a perfect inversion of of game like game master advice. It's really very funny. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I have more to say. I just think it's very good. There's I uh, I'm just gonna like pin this up here because I'm not gonna be able to answer it. But like I I love the use of railroad here. In this context, and I can't yeah. quite explain why, but for it, some reason that really both tickled me and, like, inspired me to, like, kind of, like, I think it's just kind of, like, gonna live in the back of my brain somewhere for a long time. <laughs> well, and I think it has something to do with, it. Uh, it's the same, it is a similar thing to what you were just talking about in terms of, like, understanding the form, right? Mm. Like... And so, like, setting up the book, it, like, this game book in a way that, like, kind of plays off of and uses the, like, you know, how people put together game books, right? Um, th- there's, it's very particular language, and I, I can't, I, I similarly am like, I can't articulate exactly why, but it, like, really, it's, it's, yeah, I agree. It's, like, very, very good. I, I feel like it's very purposeful, and I really, really like using railroad your players into sitting at a tavern and or talking to extremely dull NPCs. It's, it's just, it's very good. It's like a, it's, because it's a, it, it hits at both things with yes. with railroading, right? Like, it's like, it's it's not what one thinks of immediately when one thinks of railroading, which is like, here is my entire narrative. You are going to roll some dice, but the dice won't matter. You're going to make some decisions, but the decisions don't matter. Um, yeah. You're railroading them into not doing anything. Um, but then also railroading does, at least theoretically, I'm still, you know, jury's still out for me on whether or not I think railroading is a real thing. Um but if it is, talking to extremely dull NPCs is absolutely a part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I will I will refrain from judging the critical role that I saw in terms of whether they, the NPCs were dull. <laughs> but I, I and I genuinely mean that I'm not even being snarky. I just like wasn't paying enough attention to like have an opinion. Uh, but what I will say is the very first thing I noticed when I clicked on their like Twitch stream was that it was uh, Matt Mercer is the GM. Yes. Uh Right, yeah. So it was Matt Mercer basically talking to himself as like three NPCs at once, and like again, I don't know that they like they they were probably totally fun and wonderful NPCs, but I I just it stuck out because I was thinking specifically of this line. Um, yeah, just I, very funny. I mean, and that's actually uh, an interesting thing, right? Like this game never 
asks the GM to do that specifically, <laughs> which yeah, I feel like is a is a deeply uh deeply <laughs> a deep problem in a lot of GMing, where I use just like the GM just starts taking the story and going. Well, what I want to happen is for this plot to progress. So how do I do that? Well, I'll introduce a, a GM PC who like goes along with the party and just has all the conversations for the PCs. Uh, yeah. Um, and so that's, that's not to say this is like a missed opportunity. I think I already described the missed opportunity that I think was here. Um, but like this one is... There's a lot of, of, of potential in this idea that I think both of us being so high on it is is like a uh is is a testament to how this game is is very funny and and well written at least from our subject positions <laughs> yeah absolutely um do we need to talk about this random encounter table <laughs> not really i mean so we've we've talked about it already uh, the only thing i wanted to bring up is i i yeah. The last sentence of the random encounter table instructions are, so again, this is the D20, nothing happens anytime you roll anything. But I do love the last sentence, which is, for more complicated scenarios, roll twice and combine the results. Yes. <laughs> Just, again, fucking committing to the bit. And yes. by committing to the bit, to be super clear, what I mean is making this a game <laughs> and, like, providing instructions for, like, oh, well, okay, they're, tra- like, they're going to travel from town to town but like what if they're going through like they have to like travel through a really dangerous place and it's complicated oh well i could just roll a d20 twice and then nothing happens twice yes is very funny yes yeah well so it's already once for each day of travel time right so yeah so that that <laughs> i feel like that makes it that's contextualized it better right roll uh <laughs> Uh, roll on this table once for each day of travel time. For more complicated scenarios, roll twice and combine the results. So you could, so just by the fact of those rules being written the way they are, I immediately go, okay, so you could do like a three day travel where the first day is like from the town into the plains that then turns into a bog that then turns into like a sort of mountainous area at the base of which is the is the next town, right? So I'll roll once and get a you know seven. Nothing happens. When they're in the bog, though, I got to roll two d twenty, <laughs> so it's an eighteen and a three, and like so nothing happens. But then nothing happens, and yeah. then on the last day, it's like oh, roll the twenty, nothing happens. <laughs> it's very it's fucking it's very good. very good. It's fucking it's very good. good. <laughs> So the uh, the rest of the book is basically just a couple pages, and it's a couple more tables for the GM to use. It is. So uh, we have a narrative prompt table and a loot table, <laughs> uh, which, again, just very good. So the narrative prompt table is a table... Basically, you can roll a d20. Um, the advice that they say, uh, the, the advice Conrad writes is, when the story grinds to a total halt, roll below for an idea to get it crawling along again. <laughs> um, and so it's a table. You can roll a d20. And I, we, I will not read all of them because there's 20 of them. But uh, yeah, do, do you have a favorite one? I got one in mind. Uh, so I, I personally, <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of them. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I think five and six, especially to, because it's five and six, for some reason, they really hit me. So five is a player character writes a letter to their mother. 
Already, that would be, like, pretty good. But the fact Uh that there's a second sentence, which is, they narrate the letter and roleplay their conversation with the quirky postman. Right, with the quirky postman there. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, knocks it out of the park. (laughs) Uh, And then then the, the fact that the next... The next one for if you roll a six is just someone falls asleep in an amusing position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just really like those two. What what one's your favorite? Uh, I love seventeen. Oh, uh huh. <laughs> yes, it's. <laughs> I forgot about that. Would you like to read seventeen? The entire text of which is just someone's library hold just arrived. Uh. <laughs> It's so good. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just very funny. It's so mundane and so specific. Yeah. Uh, and so God. potentially generative of like Correct. a really endless conversation that, yes, doesn't lead anywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, there's there's a there's a few others that I think are are worth mentioning because I think they're particularly clever given the game. I think the twenty uh, option, if you roll a twenty, it's there's an annoyingly evasive fly in the room <laughs> with the parenthetical killing the fly doesn't cause you to advance, <laughs> which is interesting because the table could decide that somebody should actually roll to try and kill the fly. Absolutely. But, that, th- but you didn't, You that's not a failure. I love it. It's very good. Oh, that's an interesting, okay. Because uh, that's what it, that's what advancing would be, right? Which is yeah, somebody then takes on that point and they have to go back to the tavern and uh, you then switch out, right? My, um, yeah, my read of that was that, like, my read of that was that if you do have, if you do roll, you still do have to do the advancement thing, but you can just, <laughs> you can roll this 20 and have this conversation and then somebody kills the fly without rolling for it, and you are still just having this conversation about yeah. this fly for, you know, a day, two days, <laughs> three days, whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> Interesting, an, an interesting, an interesting rules question that has come yeah, up here. Absolutely, who who would have guessed that we would have <laughs> rules questions? Uh, and then the the other one I was going to, <laughs> the other one I was going to bring up, uh, especially because we've been talking about the uh, the the encounter table is is 15 so if you roll a 15 yo that's exactly the one i was also looking at so (laughs) so if you roll a 15 the encounter uh that happens right so this is like narrative prompts what happens is there are 14 solid days of uneventful traveling role play each day and night in detail that is just daunting to me (laughs) it's it's so 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 overwhelmingly boring to even consider (laughs) and just like exhausting right like Mm -hmm. uh and very 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 good um also just shout out to 10 10 and 11 i guess Uh, 11 is the weather gets shitty everyone wants to stay inside that's just a good yeah that's just a good joke there yeah it is that's a good like not even a good joke that's a that's like a thing you would find on an encounter table, like in yeah. a game, just generally, because uh, because you can you can imagine the way that that would lead to like oh so we're gonna do a bottle episode here or something yeah. like that. 
Yeah. Um, and then 10 is the players, the player characters are, the player characters are witnesses to a wagon crash and must make a statement to the city watch. No one is injured. <laughs> uh, which that one to me is like very funny and also like, again, like goes back to talking about the, the sort of assumptions of a game like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. There yeah, must yeah. be a city watch, right? This is yeah. a this is a low fantasy role playing thing. Um, all, all of yeah, all of it. Uh, just yeah, good a good table. Yeah, uh, and then the the last table in the in the game is a loot table. Um, so basically, uh, right the the idea here is if if somebody finds some sort of loot this gives the gm the ability to kind of come up with stuff the notes are uh note that they probably aren't finding treasure in a dungeon or in the ruins of a lost civilization they are more likely to loot overturned trash bins or boxes in their grandma's attic that they never bothered to unpack uh and again a table of 20 so you can roll a d20 uh there's some there's some pretty good things in here uh this this one i found sort of just a little less funny and i think in part that's because like i just I'm not a person who's ever been motivated by loot. Um, uh, I maybe that's also true of me, but I think this one is is not quite as good, honestly. Yeah, uh, but like uh, you know, sixteen. If you roll a sixteen, w- the loot that they find is a recipe for banana bread. That's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's good. It's it's a little rude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, banana bread is is one of the better quick breads, in my opinion. But it's, um, it's great. I don't particularly like it myself, but also like wow, it my it's like so many people I know love it, and also like it's one of the only things they bake, and so yeah, that yeah, yeah. like to me kind of like I, there's a rudeness there that like I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> similarly, like number ten is tea candles, where I'm like. I don't give a fuck about candles. This is a thing we probably disagree on. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about candles specifically, but I, I don't mean, care I could, about candles. <laughs> I could literally slide my chair about a foot behind me and touch candle making supplies. Right. Yes. Um, uh, and I care about candles. You, you do, and you care about tea also. I know. That's I do. Not what this is? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know a tea different. candle is not a type of tea. <laughs> different, different things, <laughs> but I do care about tea. It's true. Um, and uh, I care about tea candles specifically because I love ten candles, the role playing game. Of course you do. Um, I wonder uh, if ten candles is going to come up on every episode. Yes. probably i think it has come up on most of the game episodes it's come up on a lot uh it's a i mean it's it's, a really good game every you should play 10 candles if you haven't played it and Um, i may edit out every reference of it just knowing that we've talked about it so much (laughs) okay (laughs) that was not my intent um but but yeah so the uh, i think the the loot table is like there's some funny stuff it's it's mostly right it's it's going along with the thing it's like you know, useless stuff. So some macrame crafts, caked in dust, uh, a flyer for an event that has already ended, a cookie tin full of sewing supplies, A pair of children's shoes someone is giving away for free. For free, yeah. Mm. But yeah, that's, that is the game. We've covered the entirety of Waiting for Gygax. Um, Reading out a significant portion of it. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so the, I mean, the last thing on sort of my list of like stuff to talk about was kind of just like uh, a very vague and ambiguous prompt of like, hey, 
humor in in games thoughts uh incredibly hard um, yeah and, and i think like to hmm do you have thoughts before i go into a weird tangent or not tangent but like um very specific thing <laughs> Uh, so I, my general thoughts are actually mostly things we've, we've kind of talked about already. Like, uh, it, like you said, I think it's really hard. Um, I think, I think this is done really well. And I think the reason it's done or the, the reason it works for me is because it actually hangs together as a system, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and part of the humor of it is playing on it being a game system, and I think it's, I think that, like I said at the beginning, at, at various points, at nearly every point in which there was going to be like a new concept, right? Or a new thing. I, with my first reading, I was a little like, oh, I hope this lands. I hope this lands. Mm -hmm. And like, it just does. And that seems so difficult to me. Like, I, I think I am a relatively funny person at times, mm -hmm. but like, the idea I find of you quite sitting. Funny. Well, thank you. Uh, I, but like the idea of sitting down and writing something like this is terrifying to me. So I, I just think, like, generally, uh, humor in tabletop RPGs, I think, can be really hit or miss because, ideally, I think for me, the humor would come from the people at the table, not the game itself. Um, so I just think it's really, I just think it's really well done. That those were my only real thoughts. So, yeah, let's go here. Uh, new segment: Bees Tangent. That's not a new segment. That's uh, at least like th that happens like three times an episode. Um, well, but now I'm calling it a segment. I hate comedy. Uh, this is a fact that uh, that friends know about me. Um, I'm, I, I was I was I was nervous about picking this because I know that you do not like comedy. I don't. Um, I. Uh, not an, an not a person who does not like to laugh. Not a person who does not like to um, enjoy jokes with friends. But the genre specifically of comedy uh, is a thing that I uh, chafe against very strongly. Yeah, for a number of different reasons, all of which I don't feel like I should necessarily get into at this particular moment. But like uh, to, to to draw back to one of them specifically, like. And I think I've been trying to think through this entire conversation about, right? Uh, these are very funny things to us because we have some sort of um, amount of, of, of uh, knowledge of how role-playing games work and the general uh, culture of role-playing games. Um, I would not, and I don't think that you would disagree with this sentence at all, uh, I, would not, I would not fault anyone for reading this and being like, what's funny here? Like, oh yeah, for sure. There, absolutely. I feel like the context matters, right? Context and knowledge of that context is what makes this work for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is no outside of context, uh, as as one translation of Derrida goes, right? Um, sorry, we got that. <laughs> it's happening again. Uh, we did it. <laughs> And then it, I, I immediately referenced Twin Peaks, so I, I guess I'm on it. <laughs> um, it is welcome to on the matter again. of systems. Um, I, I, as a general sentiment that I feel, as an affect, I am I. The comedy genre is extremely not for me. Um, 
in the in the sort of like simplest terms to say because it is a uh, a way of producing in groups right it is a way of saying like we share this context and therefore we can get this joke together uh so both the two of us laugh and a third person doesn't laugh and now we know that we uh share something Mm-hmm. This game absolutely does that. <laughs> that game, this game is 100% implicated in, like, if if you read this and don't find this funny, it's not because you are you are lacking in some sort of uh, humorous uh, bone or whatever in your body. It is, uh, there, there is a, an intense amount of contextual information here that makes this shit really, really, really funny to me. <laughs> and to me as well. Uh, I, di- I didn't want to, like, jump in with this at the top, right? Because that's, like, a <laughs> deeply annoying thing to do and, like, not a useful actual framing of this conversation in any way. But, like, um, just, I kind of wanted to, like, say that out loud at the end to say, or near the end to say, like, um, comedy as much as it is a, like, uh, a tapping into certain things that universally or whatever we find... Um, surprising for instance um this is the like argument that comedy and horror are like deeply related right like yeah surprise either turns into a laugh or a scream uh you've heard that argument a billion times um that that is a that is a very small part of the story a large part of the story is how you've been socialized into or what you have happened to encounter what your taste has happened to build up into um comedy is is very much implicated in that as well as as far as as far as like um what this is doing in terms of where i'm coming at it from as a person not just who hates comedy but who finds this incredibly funny i i i was shocked honestly (laughs) all the times i like either read or skimmed through this that there was never a moment where i was like eh, man fuck this uh yeah, I mean, I I meant what I said earlier. I I was genuinely kind of nervous about picking this because yeah, I I like I like comedy. I I'm not like a comedy person. Um, and it took me a long time to appreciate a- any c- sort of like comedy, especially stand up, for instance. Like that just I took me a really long time. Um, but I started to get I started to appreciate it in a very me way, which is I started to appreciate the form of it and to sort of. I started paying attention to how people were constructing things. And so it became almost like a meta enjoyment. But, um, but even for me, like, I don't, I don't think of myself as a person who enjoys comedy. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous. I like not uh, nervous. (laughs) I wasn't like worried it was going to go like badly or whatever, but like we absolutely, I I would not have been shocked if we had come to this with very different opinions. Um, Mm -mm. and like being on opposite sides of, you know, if we thought it worked or whatever, um, that would not have, that would not have shocked me at all. Which, which goes to say that the writing in this, as we've talked about, like is, is really solid. Like there are, there are moments that are rougher than others um but like i don't know the thing i was thinking more than anything was like this is a short game we are going to do some close reading in a way we haven't done necessarily like we we've we've like done a bit of close reading style stuff but like we spent a good whatever five minutes on like one paragraph here yeah and and it led to a very good conversation which i also was like Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and I, I mean, I think like the thing for me is, and I might, I might just be, you know, I might just be more positive in general, but like even the stuff that didn't fully like hit for me, which at this point, I think it's literally like that paragraph in the race section, which I think still is going to like stick in my brain a little and the loot table, which like it, the loot table isn't bad. It's just like compared to the previous two tables, which yes. were s- so funny, right? Like correct. Yes. a table of D20s where every single thing says nothing happens. And then you go to the encounter table uh, for the narrative prompts that we read, I think maybe half of that table out loud. Like, yeah. And then you get to the loot table and it's like, it's funny. It's just like, uh, which is all to say, like, it's just... At, I just think it's real. I think it's really well done. Um, and I, I really yes. came away like very impressed, honestly. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. K- kudos, Conrad. Oust. Kudos. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, just a a shockingly well put together nine page game that, uh, as you have said, like, includes what at least seems to be a functional system, if not a, yeah. a comprehensive one, like, is. Uh, I just, uh, just, just brilliant. Yeah. Um, can I, can I refer to one more of my notes, um, that are almost all completely unrelated to the actual game? I, yes. Do, I don't think, I don't think I have to approve this. I think you could just do it. I was not giving you the opportunity. I guess I was. I, I was yeah. saying you can say no. I, I try not to ask questions if if no is not an answer. Uh, that's that's a that's a rule that I try to live by. I I would love to hear you talk about a barely related note that you made. Um, there I have I pulled two things from um, Hardcaptor Sakuga, uh, Full Metal Petticoat, the other game written by. Uh, Conrad Oust, Oust, wow, that's an interesting pronunciation. The other game written by Conrad Oust. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I really like these excerpts. I, I did not, I did not take a look at um, the other game, but I, I, I really liked what you put in the notes. Yeah, so I, I skimmed through it um, after I had read this game for the first time, and um, th- it looks interesting. It's like a, it's a full like eighty page game like mostly like full text pages um so i didn't like read it i don't really know how the system works but uh there was a a couple things in the thematic roots section which is like very early on that i found interesting um the the first one uh and there's there's like an acknowledgement section where it's mostly like friends who inspired the thing or you know um pieces of media that inspired this um magical girl game um, and one of the acknowledgments is to pat the bunny uh, <laughs> for con- for convincing me that it's better to believe and risk being wrong than to resign yourself to apathy. He's a punk that, who doesn't wear black and he would make a good magical girl. <laughs> that was just like cute. Yeah, um, that's good. I don't I don't love Pat the Bunny's music, but I, I have a deep appreciation of Pat the Bunny for just being a person who seems like pretty chill in the world and making yeah. stuff that other people care about. And then there's a longer one. Um, this is both. These are both in the thematic roots section, I think. Um, since, uh, and I'll I'll just read the, these parts. Um, I love the idea of fighting personified existential dread with optimism and empathy. 
I love the idea of cheering on your friends as they punch nihilism in the face. To me, it's a satisfying dramatization of the struggle of everyday life. And there's some more stuff there. Um, and then it says, Nobody should ever outgrow hope and friendship. Instead, we should focus on depicting a morally complex, cold, and uncaring world filled with people who are warm, compassionate, and worth fighting for. It should, it should glorify the struggle against misery and not the misery itself. Uh, to that end, the world of Hardcaptor is intended to be grim and terrible in a relatable way, but always capable of being better. And with enough positivity and hard work, you can make it better. You can be louder than the void as long as you are willing to shout. Um, and this section is basically just like a, um, a manifesto about why Conrad made this game. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I, I fully subscribe to everything here. Um, but like, I think this is a really lovely, like, orientation toward the world. Yeah. I, I agree 6,000%. Like I, I could quibble with a little bit of the language at various points, but I, I really liked this excerpt. I was really glad you included it in our notes. Um, and I think the, the, I think the way you said it is perfect. Like, I think it's a really, it's a really beautiful way of sort of orienting yourself towards the world and sort of approaching the world. And, and just like a extremely good thing to put into your magical girl game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. So yeah, I feel like uh, just overall, like incredibly impressed with the comedy in this game, despite being who I am. Like, <laughs> uh, there are so many like small specific things in this game that I think are both good and funny. Which is yeah, what? yeah, yeah. It's, is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like you know, we we've talked we've talked off podcast or whatever about you know like we we don't we aren't thinking of these as like reviews right um we're we're you know trying to sort of do do a criticism and and Mm -hmm. think critically about what we're doing um but like i I would really genuinely just i would encourage people to actually just go read this one (laughs) like it's if you know anything about tabletop rpgs like read waiting for gygax it's it's very funny it's really well done like i i will absolutely pay attention if conrad puts more stuff out um yeah cool well we did it so b yes hello hi what are we gonna read next through the darkness of future past a magician longs to see one cries out between two worlds. And I say, I think it's time we read some Greg Kostikian. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> so are you telling me I should click on secret link? Do not click by redacted? Yes, you should. Okay, great. Um, we are going oh. to be reading... Um, I'm not exactly sure where this... I mean, it apparently showed up in the Proceedings of Computer Games and Digital Cultures Conference, the book version of that by Tampora University Press in 2002. Greg Kostikian's I Have No Words and I Must Design Toward a Critical Vocabulary for Games. Kostikian has been in games, I think, for like 45 years at this point. Like, I think the first thing he published was in like 76 or something like that. I found that out because I was looking up how to pronounce his name. And I'm fairly certain it's Kostikian because there's a very short and very awkward interview on YouTube with him from somebody who goes, I'm here interviewing Greg and then just stops. (laughs) 
Awesome. And he goes, Custikian. <laughs> Incredible. It's, uh, it's very awkward. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you, you listen, sometimes you just hit the eject button. Then you're like, you know what? I'm going to fuck this up. So I'm not going to actually, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> I think also the entirety of their questions were like, how long have you been doing game stuff? And what, what are some games you've made? Cool. Um, so clearly like a convention floor interview that yeah. they just had to get out for some website i've never heard of but hey know. it got to the point where i'm fairly confident in pronouncing greg Kostikian's name anyway, anyway um i have not read this whole thing i've read the first like five pages of it this is i think the longest of the uh theory things that i've i've proposed so far it's about 20 pages it's altogether 33 pages according to my pdf that i'm looking uh at. it starts on page nine though so yeah it's, oh you're right it does okay yeah so I'll allow it then. Um, <laughs> I guess 25 pages according to my, yeah. Cool. According to my PDF reader and also math, I guess. Mm. Nine and 33. Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a, it starts with him uh, mentioning the term gameplay and, and then going, that's uh, not useful. So what would be useful? Hmm. Um, and sort of goes through and it's it's a big it's a big old piece about what makes a game the difference between games and puzzles stuff like that and and like the title says sort of trying to develop a critical vocabulary for games which is to say words that we can use to talk about specific things rather than general stuff i yeah from what i've read so far i think it's going to make for a a spirited discussion okay great (laughs) i'm excited because what i did was i scrolled all the way to the last page and i am just going to read a single sentence which is Mm -hmm. in fact game design is not merely difficult it is impossible so (laughs) i'm very excited that's in the second to last paragraph I think last time we uh, when we were talking, I was we were sort of talking about how I had chosen a couple things in a row that didn't really have a broad argument, even though that's sort of how we are framing these things internally. <laughs> this one's going to have some broad arguments, I think. <laughs> Great. I'm very excited for my job of summarizing. Yeah, I it's again, I haven't read the whole thing from what I've read. It's it's pretty clear. Um there's a lot of a lot of examples and stuff like that, but there yeah, he's he's making some fucking claims here. Um, cool. And yeah, and I'll do more research on him, uh, you know, before we uh, we record the whole thing, so I'll have more to say. But uh, one of the things that uh, that we both read recently has some interesting intro- information about Greg Kostikian. Um, let me just flip it open to page uh, 92 here of The Elusive Shift. Any aspect of personal disposition could be diced and quantified in this manner. Greg Kostikian had already invented a sex in Dungeons & Dragons system by 1975. An initial affiliation role would assign characters to the categories of heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual, transsexual, or quote-unquote extraordinary, where the latter encompasses a variety of fetishes. So Kostikian has been doing some weird shit in, in role-playing games since the mid-70s. Um, yep. There's also this quote on 148. Um, as early as 1976, Greg Kostikian had already identified the way he played as a game distinct from its base design. Quote, as far as I am concerned, I don't games master D&D. I games master a fantasy game in which each player takes the part of a fantasy character. Blake Kirk, who met Kostikian at a science fiction convention in Boston in early in 77, attributed to him the even more radical view that there is no such game as Dungeons and Dragons, but rather there are umpty 11 different fantasy role-playing games, approximately as many as there are Dungeon Masters. Um, so yeah, man's been, been doing a lot of 
lot of stuff uh, in the in the role playing field for quite some time, and I think this is probably his most famous article. I think specifically, um, at least that I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, I figured it was a good time to get back to some good old fashioned tabletop role playing game theory. I love it. I'm excited. This will be fun. Also, I did the Twin Peaks thing because the darkness of future past. It's been like a month since we recorded what comes right before and after this and it's going to be like three four months until this comes out so just to go behind the bit for a second there <laughs> sure uh enjoy that listeners that that brings us to the end of on the matter of systems 4.2 b if people uh wanted to find you on the internet where could they go Extremely great question, BW. Hey, thanks. I love this because now I've had a, a Twitter account again for the last couple, uh, what, month or so? Um, which uh, is, is me tying back to when you said earlier that, um, that, <laughs> that this game came out a month ago, uh, even though it will have been, what, five months, six months uh, until this gets published. So... Everything you've heard, I have had the Twitter account B Gabriel. That's uh, B like the kind with the stinger. That's Gabriel like the music, and that's E L, the letters at the end of that. Incredible. Also, uh, listen to Island Demeter. Uh, email me at islanddemeter at gmail dot com. I won't look at it. I will never see it probably. But you know, if you want to just like send an email to somebody who won't see it for a long time, I'm your girl. <laughs> that's. <laughs> incredible uh cool if you would like to find me on the internet uh don't do don't, i don't recommend it but um you BW's can <laughs> you can fo- follow me uh on instagram i uh i make a lot of things and uh occasionally i sell them uh, and if you'd like to see some of those things you could follow me at instagram.com slash bakery slash workshop it's three words uh all smushed together no spaces all incredible out. incredible ceramics incredible bread um, hey thanks also i guess we are recording this on my birthday month so you know go oh. check out bgabriel.itch.io slash dreams of the devoured yeah actually for real do that um it's great you should do that for sure cool well thanks everybody we'll see you next month bye bye Long pause <laughs> with no content. Oh no. Um I mean it kinda sounds like there's the possibility that we're gonna do that fucking podcast next. Yeah, point, we'll see. But but yeah, we, we got we can do a drop we can do a drop in. I'll um I'll just come back, uh, I'll do a little silence and then come back and we can do the outro stuff. Do we both fake laugh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, lovely. Uh,